Prepare to turn right. One, two, Welcome to episode two of Prepare to Turn Right. It's just me today having a little solo episode where I just run my mouth by myself. Hopefully we're going to have some more guests coming up in future episodes. We're going to have some fun stuff planned, so get excited for that. But for today, it is just me and I will just be kind of giving my opinion on the stuff that's been in the news lately. So the first story is one that I didn't want to talk about to be honest like to be perfectly honest I kind of wanted to just let this one run its course and not really bring it up because I I don't know I felt wrong it just felt wrong just kind of exploiting this story for political points but unfortunately because of the discourse surrounding it I feel like I have to kind of make some points that I think are important because I haven't really heard anyone kind of talk about this in the, the right way, I think. So this is, except for, I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you who I think has done a good job with it, but this is the story of this 10-year-old girl who was raped and had to go supposedly from Ohio. This is the story. I'm just saying supposedly because I'm trying to show you that the course the story has taken to become what we now kind of know is true. So I went to go from Ohio to Indiana to get an abortion because... Um, because the Ohio abortion laws are pretty strict. So after Roe v. Wade overturned. So I want to kind of just give a general overview of the, the course this story took because it started out as just kind of one report with one source from an abortionist who kind of said this story had happened. And that was really the only source. No one really knew exactly like anything besides for this one source from this one doctor from this abortionist who brought the story up right so that was the only source for it and I think both sides kind of didn't really do a great job responding to that so you have some Republicans some conservatives who were skeptical and I think being skeptical is always a good thing you know you should approach everything with kind of a healthy dose of skepticism that doesn't mean saying out like you're you're lying this isn't true And there were some Republicans who did that, and that I think is wrong. I don't think they should have immediately said this is a lie, this is not true. I think you can say, let's wait for more information, let's be, let's, you know, wait and see, and if this turns out to be true, then we'll address it, but right now we aren't sure. I think that's totally fine. And I just, I just don't think that, I think that some Republicans did actually go too far and say, you know, it's a total lie, we don't believe it at all, because I think that can be harmful, but... Some Democrats, some left-leaning commentators kind of went too far to the other extreme, you know, taking it as fact without double-checking and, you know, like these stories should really be triple-sourced and everything before they kind of are treated as fact. So I think people treating it as just undeniable fact and immediately jumping right in to use it to score political points and saying, look, look at what abortion, um, overturning Roe v. Wade has done, look at how these these tough abortion laws have impacted people doing that right away just jumping in and just immediately making it political just seems kind of icky which is again why I didn't want to talk about it but then once the facts started coming out and there was a police report filed and we have a suspect now his name is okay I don't want to say his name wrong Garrison um Fuentes we're just gonna hope I said that right that'd be pretty embarrassing um 27 and apparently he confessed to um to rape and we also then as this was coming out we discovered that he was an undoc he's an undocumented immigrant he's an illegal immigrant so once these details started coming out we kind of had we had some interesting responses so I think that both sides have kind of done a poor job covering this. There's only been one person who I've heard really address the full issue and address the fact that both sides have done a bad job, um, and that would be Amala Apunobi, 
PragerU personality has a podcast. When I listened to her take on it, I just thought that that was just a great point because what she said is both sides are kind of immediately jumping in to kind of one-up each other and use this for political points, right? Immediately you had the leftists, the leftists come out right at the beginning when we first heard this story and start saying, you know, like this is all about abortion and and the fact that she had to travel from Ohio to Indiana shows that, you know, like these strict abortion policies are hurting people and that she couldn't get an abortion. First of all, Ohio's abortion laws most likely would have covered her case. So just a brief overview of Ohio's abortion laws is after a fetal heartbeat is detected. So after there's a heartbeat. The only exceptions are, these are quoting from the law, to prevent the death of the pregnant woman or to prevent a serious risk of of a substantial or an irreversible impairment of a major bodily function of the pregnant woman. So basically to save the life of the mother or if the mother's going to kind of endure some serious or irreversible kind of bodily harm from carrying a child. Now, the, do like do we think that a 10-year-old could reasonably carry a child without risk to their life? I don't see a case where that would happen. You know, I, I really think that most probably doctors you would ask would say that there's probably no really a way that this would be safe for the 10-year-old. So I really do think that Ohio's laws would have covered this and that, um, and that she really should have, like, listen, listen, okay, listen. We all know I'm very pro-life, okay? I don't think rape is a should be a normal exception but I do think when it is a young child for their physical kind of protection and also I mean listen like I don't see a a situation where they're able to mentally kind of go through that so I think in virtually every case abortion would be the answer that would be acceptable so that's that's just that but so let's just assume that either way whether or not Ohio would have covered it no, no matter what happened. Either way, the left kind of immediately jumped in and started using this as kind of, you know, oh, the GOP, the Republicans are so evil that, you know, these abortion laws made her go to a different state, like she's 10 years old, all that. And then the Republicans, of course, you know, kind of were skeptical of the story. And then once kind of we got the more details and obviously like there's, we're not exactly sure it's all alleged right now. He did confess and then we had that very bizarre interview with the mother who was saying, oh, no, she's fine. What all they're saying is lies. It's very bizarre to me. But regardless of that, once then we got more details and we found out that he was an illegal immigrant, then the Republicans kind of immediately jumped on that angle. We're immediately like, oh, illegal immigrant. There's an issue we can we can fight for with this. He's an illegal immigrant, so that's why this happened. It shouldn't have happened, all that, you know. So I think actually, and this is what Amal Upanobi was saying, was that both of those approaches are kind of wrong and just we're just talking over each other's heads and we're really just trying to score political points. But we need to address both sides. You Listen, you can say all you want that there are that there are not going to be many cases of 10-year-olds who are going to be getting pregnant and having to get abortions, which might be true, but... Not having an opinion on the issue, still, or at least acknowledge, even if you don't have an opinion, if you're kind of on the fence, like many people probably would be, even if you don't, just acknowledging that this isn't, listen, yeah, it is the fact that he's, he's an illegal immigrant, should we address that? Of course, but you have to have an opinion, or even not an opinion, you have to acknowledge that this could happen, regardless of whether illegal immigrant or not. This situation could and and probably has been and will be replicated again and we have to address it just kind of relegating it to the fact that it's an illegal immigrant and not discussing the general issue of what do we do in cases like this is really just kind of the weak way of a weak way of approaching it you know it's not the proper way of approaching it and on the part of the democrats not acknowledging the fact that there are criminals coming over our border like this, not acknowledging that fact and just focusing on the abortion part and not focusing on the child abuse epidemic part that when their children are being abused and sex trafficked in this country, it, just ignoring that and just focusing on, oh, how do we get rid of the baby once it's there? That's also wrong, you know, and I think both sides have been very flawed in in, in the way of their way of thinking by not thinking about the whole issue. You know, we have to discuss all of these things. We have to discuss what we what abortion how abortion should take place in cases like this we also have to discuss 
tightening border security. We we know how I feel about that. I have a home recent episode one. I have about a 20 minute rant on illegal immigration. We know how I feel about that. You know, border security is obviously important. And an aspect I did discuss was sex trafficking. And obviously this isn't a case of sex trafficking. This just looks like a dirtbag scummy guy who nothing to do with trafficking. I think this just, it was apparently the woman's, the mother's boyfriend. It's weird. Um, it's definitely a, a very, very sad, but also a very bizarre case. But, you know, we have to address that aspect. We have to also address the abortion aspect. You know, we have to address all of these aspects. And regardless of anyone's opinion, we've really just been talking over each other's heads for the past week and no one's really been addressing every single aspect this we have to use nuance and that's the issue with really social media and everything is you know when these stories were coming up like on twitter and everyone was first talking about it and we were hearing statements it's very difficult to give a nuanced detailed kind of opinion just in one tweet you know people are just like trying to get digs at each other oh illegal immigrant looks like they're gonna drop the story now on the part of the right or hey or, or just going straight to the abortion issue and not discussing any other aspect of the case that lack of nuance is not productive and it's not going to help us solve any issues we have to be able to discuss every single issue regardless of if we agree or disagree we can't just be trying to throw these over each other the other side's head and trying to just just get our our point across without listening to the other side and without addressing all of these issues. So I think that's the main thing I wanted to discuss with this. I didn't, because I don't, again, I didn't want to talk about it at all. I just find it icky kind of exploiting this traumatic and terrible story for, again, for political points, which is why I wanted to kind of say that both sides kind of are at fault here. But listen, like at the end of the day, there's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of things we have to discuss. We have to discuss how this person was allowed into the country in the first place, why we have such a child abuse and rape epidemic among children in this country. And I, I wouldn't, don't use that term lightly. America has the biggest market for sex trafficking. I'm not just going to throw that around. And we also have to discuss what our opinion is on abortion in those cases, because no matter how much, how much we do to try to prevent illegal immigration, no matter how much we do to try to try to decrease the amount of child abuse going on in this country regardless of any of that we still have to have an opinion of what do we do when this happens you know so I think that's really what I wanted to talk about is I wanted to kind of give one more nuanced opinion than what I've been hearing and again if you want a great kind of monologue on this definitely check out um Epinobi's take on her podcast on apologetic but yeah I just I just wanted to say that because I just I just found the discourse so disingenuous and just so icky and just so steeped in just political points and not actually talking about that it's a nuanced thing and we can't just be thinking about one issue or the other these are all things we have to address and obviously I could talk for hours about each of these I could talk for hours about the illegal immigration aspect I could talk for hours about about the child abuse part of it I could talk for hours about the abortion part of it you know and I think those are all issues we have to address. But just hearing the discourse, I just thought I, thought I should bring it up. That's the first thing I want to talk about. The next thing I want to bring up is, okay, so there's been some abortion hearings in the Senate lately. They've been having different people come in to talk about abortion. And we had a little bit of an interesting discussion. And we had this interesting back and forth between Senator Josh Hawley, who is a Republican in the Senate for um, Missouri. And then we also had University of California, Berkeley School of Law professor Kiara M. Bridges. So this Berkeley professor, they kind of had a little back and forth at one of these hearings about abortion. So I want you to just take a listen to this clip. Now, Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? 
So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing them. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm is denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can get <laughs> So you are pregnant. denying that trans people exist? Thank and that leads to violence? Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're opening up people to oh, violence we have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Yep. Um, okay. So <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. How did we get to this point in this country? Can I just ask... Like, what, how did we get here? Like, what went wrong? At what point did something go so wrong that we have gotten to the point in this country where we are seriously having this discussion? Where there are people, academics, this is a Berkeley University, she's a professor at UC Berkeley, you know? How did we get to this point? It's unbelievable. Like, I don't even know where to start. Okay, let's, let's start with basic reality, Okay. The left can claim all they want, that men can be women and women can be men, but the reality is that truth overrides everything. You can, and up until very recently, we acknowledge gender dysphoria as what it is, a mental illness, just like any other mental illness, like body dysmorphia, you know, eating disorders, um, bipolar, depression, anything, we, we, we kind of gave that same status to body dysmorphia. And how do you do, not body dysmorphia, to gender dysphoria. We gave that at that same status. And how do you treat mental illnesses? You, maybe it's, maybe it's medication, maybe it's therapy, maybe it's, it's whatever. We, bottom line is you don't indulge it, right? Someone who has anorexia and thinks they're fat. The worst thing you can do for them is, is acknowledge that, is say, yes, you are fat. You think that's going to help that person? Absolutely not. You know, telling the person who's depressed that their life really is meaningless and that their feelings are valid, that's the wrong, this, it's the wrong approach for anything, yet somehow for gender dysphoria, for this feeling like you're in the wrong body, somehow we've just said that, yep, you are in the wrong body. Yep, you're 100% right. Your feelings are valid. We are going to validate you. Va it's this culture of just validation, of tolerating everything, of saying everyone their feelings are valid, their feelings are correct, and we must now as a society change structures and change our way of thinking about what is true and what is correct just to accommodate them. So now we are getting to the point where we are seriously having discussions about a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. So if it is a man, who th a woman who thinks they are a man, they are now a man, and that man can therefore get pregnant because they have female anatomy. No, absolutely not. This, this is just... <sighs> Like, what, how do I, what, what do you even say? You know, what do you even say? It's unbelievable that we're even having this discussion. So that's one thing I wanted to point out is that just truth is truth. You know, why don't, like, for some reason, these people who say that you can be in the wrong body, they, they won't carry that over to race, won't carry that over to age. You can't say that you're a different age than you truly are because that just denies biology. You can't say you're a different race. That denies your physical characteristics. It's somehow, again, with gender, we've just said that your physical characteristics don't matter. Sex and gender are separate. Your sex can be totally female, and you can just have your gender identity be male. Be, you can identify as a man, and then therefore you can be a man who gets pregnant. It just doesn't make any sense at all it doesn't make any sense because this is not how we've ever treated mental illness until five minutes ago it it frankly is only going to harm not only women which we've discussed this erasure of women which i'm going to talk about in a minute but it also harms trans people there's this trans activist who now there are a few who actually are pretty pretty solid on these issues who give some pretty interesting and actually 
conservative, like pretty, pretty right leaning opinions on a lot of things. The two that I like the most, Blair White. I'm, I don't know if I've talked about her before, if, but she's great. She okay. The thing with pronouns is that <laughs> Blair White is a biological male, but to be honest, they they look so female, and I I'm not for the whole like we should be always using the pronouns. I don't think compelled speech and forcing people to use the pronouns is correct, but because. I respect this person and because they acknowledge that they are not actually a biological female, listen, like it, I'll use she. But the other one I was going to talk about who kind of gave a good point on this is Buck Angel. Buck Angel is a transgender man, um, was born female and transitioned to appear male. And Buck Angel said, he, he put out this tweet. And again, the pronouns thing, it's, listen, it looks, they look so much like it. And it's, it's not like I'm acknowledging that Buck Angel was a woman, because Buck Angel was born a woman and I don't think you can change that but just to res- because I have a res- respect for this person and because my opinion of them won't change the fact that they transitioned I'm not gonna like be all like sno- snobby about using the biological pronouns but anyway so Buck Angel said that listen like you saying besides for the fact because you know you would think that most trans men would be like, oh yeah, like technically I could still have a baby, you know, if I have all the right anatomy. But Buck Angel said that saying that men can get get pregnant, that actually is harmful to a lot of trans men because a lot of trans men were so uncomfortable with their female bodies. They were so uncomfortable with the way that they were born that they underwent surgeries and changed their name and everything just to appear more male. So why would they want any reminder of the fact that they were female? The most female thing you can think of is carrying a child. That's an inherently female experience. So why would you? Why would these trans men who for years of their life were so uncomfortable in their bodies and the last thing they wanted was to be live their lives as women, why would they want a reminder of that? A reminder that they, that they once were women who could get pregnant. Why would they want that reminder? You know, you would think that they would be so uncomfortable with that. So that's another point that no one always talked about a lot, except that I've seen Buck Angel talk about it, is that that's another just no one's brought it up. You know, that have you ever asked? It's the same thing with the left always, is that they will always try to claim, you know, that it's oppressing some victim group. You know, they'll say like, oh, this is racist. This is transphobic. This is sexist. But they never actually, this is xenophobic. They'll never actually ask the group that they're claiming is offended <laughs> if they're actually offended, you know? They'll never actually ask trans men, do you actually care? And if some of them do, then listen, like some of them do. People are always going to be offended by things, but they'll never ask someone like Buck Angel because Buck Angel goes against their whole ideology because Buck Angel will say that it does. It does actually not bother me because I don't want a reminder that I could carry a child, you know? So I think that's another important, important point to bring up. Um, But I also want to talk about just the general erasure of women because we always they use this this language they say that this language is trans inclusive this language is not erasing women it's not denying that women get pregnant it's just saying that other groups also get pregnant and we heard that clip we heard this professor say that and it's just it's just frustrating and I'm sure a lot of women that are listening to this are also frustrated by this because it's you can claim all you want that you know, it's not really erasing women because, like, it's just being more inclusive of other groups, but it's, it's just very, it's, it's just frustrating, you know, that women have a lot of women, I mean, today, who knows how many feminists are all not really into having kids anymore, but traditional women or women who want to have families they value that they have that ability unique from men you know to carry children to give birth to children to nurse the fact that they are that is one thing that many women value more highly even than their careers or than anything else is that ability to have a child from their own body and that is just being kind of taken away and just thrown into the wind and just applied to anyone. Oh, not only you. It's not special for you. But women have value that it's something special to them for centuries. You know, so it actually, it is, it is offensive to a lot of women. You know, it's, it's a, it is greatly offensive. And 
just another point I wanted to bring up is that when you think about kind of even if you work okay for Obviously, I do not believe that anyone who can get pregnant is a man. If they can get pregnant, they are a woman, even if they look male, even if they look male as can be, which personally, I don't think trans men look that much like men. They're kind of just like scrawny looking. But besides for that, even if someone really looks male and you know, whatever, if they can have a child, they're female. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. But let's, let's just put that aside for a minute. Let's say, let's, let's say in some fantasy world, that there were a few men, this small category of men, trans men, who really truly were men, who could have babies, right? Then let's just assume that, okay? So let's, let's put that aside for a second, and let's give another example. So there are some people who have four fingers, right? People have four fingers, people have no arms at all, people have no legs, people have six fingers or four toes, any kind of anomaly, right? If you were to say... People have 10 fingers. Do you think that people with nine fingers would be all that offended by that? Personally, I don't think they would. They know they are an exception to a rule, but that doesn't make them question their humanity. They know they're humans. You don't, you, they don't need you to say that people are, they don't need you to give that caveat and say people have 10 fingers, but oh, some could have four and some could have no fingers at all. And some could have nine. They don't need that because they know for themselves, they truly are human regardless of what you say about 10 fingers. They don't actually care, right? Find me a person who cares. I don't think you can. But somehow we've if if following these people's logic following trans activists and following the less logic that these truly are men then they don't need anyone to validate them you know they don't need anyone to say that they, they know they're men so why do they need society to say women get to say oh it's women who get pregnant but it's also men who get pregnant and also non-binary people who get pregnant they know for themselves they're they're men so why do they need that you know so you would think that just like with saying humans have 10 fingers and of course there are exceptions, well then why can't we just say women get pregnant and then if someone knows they're an exception, then they'll just be fine with that because they know that they're an exception and that doesn't make them question their identity. But that kind of shows really that these people who are trans, you know, trans men, let's use that example, who really who who are think they're men you know they need or according to the left need to be validated they need to be constantly validated and told that they truly are men in order for them to feel validated you know that's a sign of I guess mental illness is not being sure of yourself they know that this isn't really true you know these people are not sure enough of themselves They've just been, they've just, they need society to accommodate them in order for them to feel comfortable. You know, society will not, will not validate you. Society, it is not society's job to constantly validate you. And if you need society's constant validation, that is a sign that you're not mentally sure of yourself. So that almost goes back to my original point coming full circle at the end of this discussion is that really this is. This is mental illness, you know, and it should be treated as such. And mental illness, you don't validate it. People who seek out validation from others to kind of validate their, their delusions for someone, let's say, who has schizophrenia, just uh, they, of course, will want others to validate them. That doesn't mean we should. We should not. We should not tell someone with schizophrenia, yes, the voices you are hearing are real. The things you are seeing in your mind that you think are really there are not are there. Yes, they're there. No, we shouldn't validate them. That kind of just, I guess, comes back to my original point. So that's a good place to lead this discussion, I think. And that is the second topic. So the next thing we wanted to, I want to discuss is kind of two stories that are very, very similar that kind of just have similar characteristics that I want to kind of use to kind of bring up a larger point about just the nature of how political discourse should go and just how the left, how the right should be kind of operating in the political sphere. So the first one is, this was all over social media. This was all over Twitter. There was a video posted by Alex Stein. Alex Stein is a comedian. I think he's done some funny things. I think he's not always all that funny, but he's a conservative comedian. And he recently was on the Capitol steps and AOC is coming up the steps and he starts kind of like, like yelling at AOC he's like uh, okay listen okay I don't think okay let me just let me finish the story because I have so much to say on this but 
um, AOC starts saying, you know, like, AOC, oh, my big booty Latina, um, oh, you're so sexy, you're so beautiful, like, you know, look at that big booty, like, you got the idea, I, you, you get what I mean, okay, so, and then after that, AOC, after the, after the fact, starts kind of tweeting all these things and saying, like, like, this, I was harassed, and uh, the Capitol Police didn't do anything, and kind of goes on a whole rant, complaining that she was harassed, okay, so I have a few points here. The first point is, I haven't really heard, just like with, okay, this is kind of a common theme in this episode, I don't think conservatives have really talked about this in the way that it should be talked about, and with the nuance that it, that it demands, and not that this isn't important, it wouldn't be an important issue unless I felt, and except for the fact that I felt that conservatives did not cover it, in the way I think it should be covered, but, and that's this, okay, I'm not, uh, people were saying it's very funny, and that AOC is too sensitive and that Alex Stein is hilarious and great and all that. Okay, so I think we have to use nuance when we're talking about this. I personally did not find it funny. <laughs> I, now I'm going to get into what I mean by that. I don't think that on the, on the right, we should be using the same tactics the right, the left uses. The left will use tactics like that all the time. You know, they will harass people. They will DM them, give them all kinds of terrible threats, you know. They will... They will just attack them at every every moment they can get. I don't think conservatives should play that same game. I don't think Alex Stein made the right decision by doing this. I personally, no matter how bad of a person I think they are, I think AOC is, and I think she's stupid but also not a good person. I, I don't think it's the right approach to harass her in that way. I just don't, I don't find it productive for our for our message that we want to get across for our points we want to make you know if he wanted to go on the steps and start saying hey why'd you vote this way on this bill I'd be totally fine with that but I just don't think that the way that that is a good approach for changing people's minds or just for making points at all I just don't think it is now that's where I think conservatives got it wrong. But where conservatives did get it right was I don't feel bad for AOC, okay? I can think that someone did the wrong thing, but also not feel bad for AOC, okay? Like, I can think that someone, okay, like, listen, like, I can think that it was the wrong thing for someone to, I don't know, like, hit someone. But let's say I think the person who got hit deserved it. So I think those things can both be true, you know? So I can think that Alex Stein was incorrect and I think it was a douchey thing for him to do, but I can also say that AOC kind of deserved it. And here's why. AOC recently, what happened was um, Brett Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh's been harassed a lot lately because of the way he voted for Roe v. Wade, right? You know, he voted for it to be overturned, you know, all in the Dobbs decision, all that, right? He's been harassed a lot. Recently had a literal assassin show up at his house and try to kill him. Let's just talk about that. But he's been just harassed a lot lately. So then after he was harassed, AOC put out this tweet, um, basically kind of responding to the fact that he had been kind of harassed while he was at this restaurant. She said, poor guy, he left behind his souffle because he decided half the country should risk death if they have an ectopic pregnancy within the wrong state lines. It's all very unfair to him. The least they could do is let, his, let him eat his cake, let, let him eat cake, right? So she's kind of mocking the fact that he was harassed and kind of approving of it you know so if you are okay listen so again I can think that Alex Stein was wrong I can think that he should not have done it but I can also say that AOC is a complete and total hypocrite where she's celebrating and laughing at the fact that Kavanaugh was harassed at a restaurant when he was eating dinner and also adding on to that fact after he had a few weeks earlier had someone show up at his house and try to break in and kill him, you know, so I think that's a valid, we can, valid, conservatives can legitimately say that that is a bad thing, that he's being harassed, you know, so, so she's, her advocating for that and saying that's fine and not kind of condemning these people who are harassing Supreme Court judges and then her getting harassed and being like, oh, tweeting all these things and saying how terrible it is and and complaining and going on and on and on and on like on and on literally that's you can that is completely hypocritical completely just tone deaf by the way you know we're not kind of putting two and two together kind of like taylor runs who the, the journalist the faux journalist she's not even a journalist like let's be real come on she's pathetic but just like taylor Lorenz, who had kind of um 
like done a whole segment on a show where she was being interviewed and cr- literally cried on camera about about getting harassment online and then proceeded to dox and <laughs> put out a hit piece about lists of tiktok which ended up lists of tiktok getting tons of death threats and stuff like that so you know just it's, sim- it's a similar in a similar vein you know that she's such a total hypocrite you know like it, how can you not just put figure out that you can't say that you think that people should be not should be getting harassed and that you are totally fine with Kavanaugh being harassed but then when the second you get harassed you start to cry and complain like maybe you should have been should not have been pro-harassment again that doesn't mean Alex Stein was right I think that he was wrong because I think that as conservatives we have to take the higher moral ground we shouldn't be playing by their rules you know if we're going to talk about how we don't think people should be getting harassed then we have to kind of keep to that same standard and no matter who it is, you know, engage in civil discourse and debate them intellectually and not harass them, you know, I think that that was the wrong thing for him to do, I didn't find it funny either, you know, like he's a comedian and he's done some funny stuff, but I didn't find that funny, but again, nuance, that's the key to this episode is nuance, if you get one thing from this podcast, this episode, it is these issues require nuance, so now there's a similar story that I wanted to discuss and that it's a little bit on a larger scale. So I'm not claiming that these are the same thing that we should be treating them the exact same way, but it's kind of just a similar story. So Brittany Griner, um, the WNBA star who's been detained in Russia since February on like some drug cannabis charge, you know, something like that. And she was recently found pled guilty, you know, to that. Um, but Anyway, my point on this being, it's similar to this AOC case, that's what I wanted to talk about here, is that, okay, Brittany Griner has been very anti-America, you know, would not go on the field for the national anthem, you know, has spoken out about against how, you know, terrible America is, all that stuff, priest brutality, you, you know the deal. So do I, again... I, do I think that Russia, like, is, they're basically probably using her as a political prisoner, you know, to, like, do a prison swap to get one of their prisoners that we have out, that kind of thing, you know, so I think, do I think Russia's wrong for doing that? Yeah, of course, like, I think that if she, if Brittany Griner were in the U.S., she probably wouldn't be facing the same level of charges or the same level of, um, I guess, um, treatment the same kind of treatment that she's getting in Russia that's but again do I like listen I don't think Brittany Griner because of what she said about the U.S. should be getting like I don't think that makes I don't think that means she deserves what she's getting in Russia so it's not the same thing as the AOC thing but I do think that it's very funny and very ironic that people will talk about the U.S. and say how much they hate it and say how terrible it is but in the second they get stuck in a different country, then you kind of realize how amazing America is, you know? You kind of realize that America's systems and the way that America is set up and just the structure and everything like that is much better than what you're going to get anywhere else, you know? I'm sure she'd much rather be detained in the U.S. and be in the U.S. legal system than in Russia's legal system, you know? So, I, again, is it the same exact thing as AOC and that I think she deserves to get up to 10 years in prison in Russia and possibly just be kept as a political prisoner because she said some things about the U.S., you know? No, so it's not the exact same. Like, I don't think she that is a kind of congruent kind of punishment for hating America, you know? But I do think that it, we have to, we do kind of have to just bring this up as a larger point is that people hate America and they, they speak out against it and they won't stand for the national anthem. They say it's racist and all these terrible things. But at the end of the day, you look to any other country and you see what, you see what happens there and you see her being held in this kind of oligarchical country. And you kind of realize that America's pretty good. America's pretty, pretty good. And so just, yeah, kind of, again, nuance, in this discussion, you know, we do have to talk about the fact that, listen, she is very anti-American. We should have that discussion and maybe people will start waking up and stop speaking out against America. So I just, again, wanted to kind of bring up a kind of a parallel between those two. Um, but anyone saying that, like, oh, like, Brittany Griner deserves to, like, be in Russia for the next 10 years in jail in Russia, 
um and I don't feel bad for her because I'm listen like it was a pretty small charge and like but I don't feel bad for her because of what she said about America like I don't think that's the correct approach so again nuance um yeah I don't think that's correct I don't think that's the correct approach either I think we have to and this is kind of kind of a big point with this episode is compassion you know is that I think people make mistakes and people say bad things and people have bad takes and people just are in general not great people but I think that as conservatives we have to kind of take the more morally high ground and have compassion for people and be loving and accepting and understand that people learn their lessons and people can change you know and I don't think that means they should be kind of I mean, from criticism, of course, we should criticize Brittany Griner and criticize AOC, but that doesn't mean that it is correct for them to kind of face this. Like, it is, this doesn't mean it's right for us to kind of treat them a certain way, you know? And obviously, we're not the ones treating Brittany, Brittany Griner that way. We're not the ones, the Russians, kind of, you know, the Russian government. But, like, I think just, you know, just in general, I think we do have to have compassion to some extent, and we do have to acknowledge that people learn their lessons and people change you know and maybe let's give her an opportunity again if she gets back here and starts bashing America the second she gets back here then that's pathetic but again I just think that when we're having these discussions we shouldn't be so cold-hearted and so I guess lacking so much nuance that these discussions kind of beg for so that's that So the last thing I wanted to discuss is kind of a broader issue about crime. I've got a few stories to bring up relating to that. So there was one recently where Olympian Kim Glass, she was in L.A., and she was attacked by a homeless man, this 51-year-old homeless man who kind of hit her with a metal bolt, and she had, like, terrible, like, like, bruises, and on her, her whole eye blew up, marks everywhere, you know, her face totally, like, really badly injured and the reason I bring this story up is because you know it got a lot of attention listen it got a lot of attention and we find out that this was of course a say it with me repeat offender who had been charged with felonies he um in 2018 and 2019 and he was out on parole at the time that he attacked Kim Glass No shocker there. If you are shocked, then you have not looked at the news in the past year. Um, We see, and this is in LA, you know, we see this time and time and time again. And this is just another example on top of dozens and dozens more that we see every week, especially in LA and these Democrat run cities where when people get let out of prison time and time again, and they commit a crime again, they get let out, commit a crime again, get let out, commit a crime again, get let out. Over and over and over again, just like in this case, where this guy had had felony charges in 2018 and 2019. You know, we just keep seeing it. Why do these prisoners, these people, criminals, keep getting let out? Eventually, you have to see that something is not working. The system is not working. And in the case of LA, it's because of these bad policies. You know, George Gascon, the DA in... LA County just saying just his policies have just really in so many ways caused these things to happen he said he's not even prosecuting certain types of charges certain types of charges he won't even fight certain type of crimes he won't even file charges you know he's just it's one bad policy on top of another it causes this just recidivism to just completely take over the streets of LA where people are just getting let out and committing crimes over and over and it's somehow seen as progressive and the right thing to do and I just don't see how in any world it could be and proof of that is that there was a famous there was a famous quote that was from a while ago a criminal thanking George Gascon like a criminal you know George Gascon the DA you're supposed to be tough on you know supposed to be tough on crime they're supposed to keep criminals in jail and keep the streets safe and all that a criminal was grateful expressed his gratitude to George Gascon because he knows and all the criminals know under George Gascon under any liberal DA these progressive DAs in places like LA they know they can get away with anything because they will get let back out and they will get to do the same crime again, and they will get one out again, and repeat the cycle. It's unbelievable. So another story that's similar to that is there was 
another because George Gascon's got a new terrible policy every other day it seems like and I hope his recall goes through I hope he is removed from office but George Gascon one of the new kind of policies that recently he announced was he was going to get rid of the parole unit okay so what the parole unit did is they are the ones who are going to inform victims of crime about when their attackers or their murderers or whatever their their family members murder or whatever it is when when they are up for parole right so they will notify let's say the family of someone who had been killed or they will notify um they'll notify the person who had been attacked or whatever it is and they will say listen you're okay here's your kind of official notice the person who attacked you is up for parole and you know often they will come to the parole hearings you know like and they will advocate for this person to stay in prison and that is a huge people don't realize the impact that that can have on a a parole a parole board hearing the victim or the victim's family talk about the impact that crime has had on them you know or the prosecutor and from that case advocating for this person to stay in jail that can have a large impact on what if that person is becomes paroled or not is paroled or not and let back on the street or is kept in jail so get rid getting rid of this parole board parole this parole unit that that told victims this and now they're having this kind of new this different agency or whatever only inform people if they've explicitly requested that kind of notification meaning if you don't explicitly request to be notified you won't be notified which seems fine except most people think that they are so traumatized and they're so kind of left scarred by these crimes that they can't even fathom a, a world where this person is up for a parole you know they think this person's in jail for life without parole but that's real and the reality with these progressive policies like i mentioned that's not the case these people are just being let out of prison you know so they don't know that they're going to have to file these things to be notified at all about 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 this person being let out of, out of parole which is why the pro unit was so important uh, no, no matter whether they requested it or not informing the, the victim or the victim's family of when, they're per- th- when the attacker is going to be out on parole, no matter whether they're requested or not. You know, most people think about it like this. If someone you know was, God forbid, killed, or someone, or you, or you yourself, or someone else was attacked or raped, and you you have a chance for them, when the, if this person would ever be eligible for parole, to come out of jail, potentially, wouldn't you want to do everything in your power to keep that person in jail, to show up at that parole hearing and speak out and say, no, this person does not deserve freedom? Of course, the majority and the majority of these families or and these people would want that, of course. But because George Gascon just gets to say, oh, we're understaffed, so we're just going to get rid of this very important unit in this criminal justice system and also you know the language he used was like oh it will trigger them like it's like they have of course the right to be notified but like it they also don't have the right to kind of be re-victimized and re-traumatized and you know just oh like I personally would rather be a little bit triggered and a little bit re-victimized quote than actually be actually re-victimized if someone is let out you know that seems like a pretty reasonable thing to say. So that's just a bogus excuse and it's just their way of just being all hush-hush, you know. It's just an excuse for them to be able to let these people out without the public knowing, without their victims knowing, so they can just parole all these criminals without ever having to inform anyone and can just be all hush-hush and just avoid criticism. And we kind of see how, in some cases, that could directly affect their past victims. Let's say that this person, let's say this was a kind of crime, a very personal crime. Let's say this was like a stalking incident, right? Where this guy is stalking this woman, let's say, and he's obsessed with her and he gets put in prison for stalking. This, then, and then let's say he gets caught out on parole and the woman does not know that he's going to go out on parole. The second he comes out, what do you think he's going to do? Go back to his original victim. You know, these things happen and not informing victims of when their attackers are going to come back, when they could be back on the streets, potentially targeting them or people they love. It's criminal. It, in my opinion, is evil. It is absolutely unacceptable. And that's why we're seeing that this petition to get George Gascon, 
this DA who's behind all these policies to get him recalled. Now, as of recently, that petition had 717,000 signatures. Because people people are waking up. People do not like these progressive policies. They um, All they do is hurt victims and help criminals. That is all they do. And we're seeing that reflected in crime statistics. People will say that, oh, in reality, it's the Republican states with the higher crime rates. But think about it like this. Okay, with East Illinois as an example, because most people who are listening to this are in Illinois. Try to compare Chicago to like a random farm city in the middle of Illinois. It's incomparable, right? You, they're completely different. different. Different Republican versus Democrat leadership, different policies. So the whole city, the whole state thing makes no sense. We got to look at cities. And according to Forbes, like I looked up an article, it was like the most dangerous cities in the US, Forbes article. All of the 10 top ones were Democrat, <laughs> Democrat-run cities, because it's the cities making these policies, not overall state policies. That just doesn't make any sense. But let's use LA as an example, okay? Let's, let's use where George Gascon is. Let's see how the crime is. So right now, we have homicides of 2021. Again, 2022 numbers you're not going to get yet. In 2021, homicides hit 397, which was the most in more than a decade, 50% increase from 2019. That's one aspect. We also have where robberies are up. Robberies involving firearms were up 57% from 2020 and 60% up from 2019. And there are 100 more incidents this year so far than the year before. And property crimes up, car theft is up, vehicle theft, you know, all that. It's all going up. And we look around and we wonder why that is, but it's so obvious. When you let criminals out and you let them commit the same crimes over and over and over again, what do you think's going to happen? What do you think's going to happen? Legitimately, what do you think? And people who just are so just just claiming that it's, it's Republican somehow, I don't even know how you could claim that, when it's the policies of Democrats that are causing this. There was recently, I don't know if anyone, probably you guys heard of this, you know, where recently Starbucks announced this big announcement they're closing down a number of different stores because there's been a lot of drug problems a lot of violence against their baristas where do you think the stores they were closing down were the main mainly most of them were in LA Seattle and Portland all three of those cities are democrat run there is a huge crime problem and it is because of democrat policies suggesting otherwise it's just ignoring facts. Of course, there are other underlying causes of violence, you know, fatherless homes, things like that, of course. But the main, is, the main thing we have to focus on is how do we keep criminals from hurting more innocent people? And the answer is keeping them off the streets, you know, trying to keep, just reform them and constantly think they'll do better and just letting them back out. Letting them back out it might seem nice to them, but it's not nice to the victims and it's not nice to the cities that are being terrorized by them. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. A little bit of a shorter episode um, compared to last one, which was over an hour. We're at like 15 minutes, which is, I think, solid. So anyway, get ready for some more episodes. we got some fun stuff coming up. So look out for that. Hopefully we're going to have some more guests. We're going to have some more stories. We're going to have all different types of content. So look out for that. But that's what I wanted to say. So make sure to... Um, I really don't know how any of this works, but like any star, five stars, review, rate, you, you know the deal. Anything you can do, just do. But one thing I wanted to say before we end off here is I want to start doing a little bit of Q&A section. Like at the end of each episode, like answering questions people have. You can ask me anything about politics, you know, like what's your opinion on this or like, or kind of debate me a little bit. Like, like how do you respond to this kind of opposing view? Anything like that or anything just about my political views, anything like that. You can email prepare to turn right podcast at gmail.com and I will be checking that regularly and I'll be able to answer any questions you have. And thanks for listening. Bye guys. Thanks for turning right.